Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about Season 6, Episode 2, Last X to Brooklyn. Last X to to Brooklyn! Brooklyn! I don't actually know who sings that song. The Beastie Boys! Oh, that's why I don't know it. I feel like now that you said that you don't know who it is, I'm like self-conscious that it's not the Beastie Boys. Like you're just like doubting your entire. No, existence. I think it's gotta be the Beastie Boys. I think you're right. I think it's not, that sounds like a Beastie Boys thing. Yeah, but it's also just, like no sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, I know. Okay, just checking. Okay, so let's do the episode description before we talk about any more not sleeping in Brooklyn. That sounds great. Okay, so Grace is vexed when she learns that Leo's ex-girlfriend Mira Sarvino is intimately acquainted with Will. Ooh. Ooh. You know I. Honest to God, I remember reading this episode description and being so gay that I didn't understand <laughs> that intimately acquainted was code for the bone. You put the penis in the vagina and you mix it all up. Bone! <laughs> but like literally, the answer is bone. Bone! <laughs> officer Diaz, I am your superior officer! Bone! <laughs> Okay, if you guys aren't watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you need to be watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Really, though? Like, if nothing else, I mean, the whole show is brilliant, but... Bone? But the Monty Hall problem is amazing. <laughs> Rosa, stop! Those are our dads! Um, so, this episode is pretty solid, to yes. put it lightly. We're in a, a good mood, I think, because it's such a solid episode. It is extremely solid, and it is extremely... Funny, but also extremely tense. Like, mm-hmm. you can't really look away when you're watching this episode because, like, the moment you do something else ent- right. entirely strange and different happens. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we've, we had a bit of a break from watching this show, but I feel like genuinely this is my favorite episode of Will and Grace in a long while. This episode slaps. Yes. Like, <laughs> like it, it has everything. Like, first of all, just to set up the plot. No, let's not even set up the plot. Let's start with the key points. Yes. Karen has dog Karen, in this episode. Karen has a tiny dog, and it's great because if you're watching the revival right now, like we are, Karen also has a tiny dog, mm-hmm. and it was just, it like felt like two worlds, one family colliding, <laughs> trust your heart, let fate decide. Et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. Into infinity. I feel like the revival does that sometimes where like the... Original show had an idea, and it was only a one-episode-long idea. So then they, like, take it back and, like, make it better. And They're like, oh, my God, why do we only have that for one episode? What were we doing? Right. And so in this week's most recent episode of The Revival, Karen has a tiny dog. Shushu Fontana. Which, if you recall, was Karen's drag name mm-hmm. from back, I think, season one, even. Yeah, like, really far Because back. that was back when your drag name was actually your porn star name, which was, you know, your first pet in the street you grew up on. Sunny right. Glenwood and... Snowball P. Snowball P. Yes, <laughs> classic. So yes, yeah, so now Shushu Fontana has come full circle and is a dog. Yes. God bless. But in this episode, it's kind of like a rat. Oh my God! This is the this is the tiniest dog. I've never seen a dog this tiny. I honest to God, like I know that they just got a puppy of like a poodle. I feel like it's probably a puppy teacup poodle, but it's like it's like a hamster. It seems like they've digitally shrunk the puppy. Even though we know the technology wasn't really there or within the budget yeah. of a sitcom. Yeah, I mean like this is like like smaller than an iPad. 
Also, the little iPads. <laughs> it's smaller than my iPhone, I think. <laughs> and then also, Karen has this leash for it, but for some reason, the handle of the leash is also comically tiny. Like, I, it looks I, like a tape measure. I like, understand. It's adorable. This episode is not about Karen's dog. It's not, but we just really loved it. And um, Karen's dog kind of ties a lot of the, the plot threads together. That's true. So we wanted to mention Chompers. Good old Chompers. Who, um... For those who have an astute eye, know was Lorraine's dog who she abandoned in Stan's closet. He survived by eating turkey out of uh, Stan's trouser cuffs. Yikes! Which is so sad. Maybe and that's so why he's so tiny. <laughs> Poor he's Chompers. Starved. He's so little and starving. Um, as we heard from the episode description, this episode is actually about a dinner party that Grace and Leo throw, mm-hmm. where they invite the normal cast plus. Diane. Who is Leo's ex-girlfriend. And, as we ultimately discover, Will's ex-lover. Okay, I, again, really want to reiterate that lover is not a word we use in America. Ex-lover! Stop! Lover boy! Okay, but so, like, Diane and Will, if you recall, the the name Diane should be tickling your memory. Yeah, Tess was, like, quivering. Should be tickling your memory bone, because Diane is the name of the woman, the one woman, that Will has copulated with mm-hmm. to completion. Yes. Who is not Grace because he did not copulate with her. Please stop saying copulate, please. Copulate. Please stop. Copulate. I think it's actually pronounced with a hard O. I mean, copulate? I'm very gay. So again, like... Copulate? Copulate? It's, I don't... No, it's definitely... Copulate. Now the word has stopped having meanings. Let's move on. It's definitely copulate. I'm so gay. Like... Dude, gay's not copulate? No, it's pronounced breeding. Ew. That's <laughs> definitely wrong. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. So, this dinner party begins with what we get the setup where Grace is like, yep, inviting the ex over because I need to ensure that she's hideous. Right, you know, of course. Typical straight people nonsense. But then the ex gets there and she's Diane and she's Mira Sorvino and she's very lovely. Mm-hmm. And she works at Vogue and she has a Birkin bag. And Grace is like, oh my God, a Birkin bag. I've been on the waiting list for that for two years. That cultural reference has not survived. Um, yes, but it is kind of planted in my brain because there was a Sex in the City episode in which Samantha briefly becomes the publicist for Lucy Liu, like literally Lucy Liu mm-hmm. plays herself, and then uses Lucy Liu's name to get her own Birkin bag. Oh my God. And I, if I recall correctly, these bags were like $3,000. Oh yeah, I mean. They were way mad expensive. They also looked for fashion very prop or like very practical. Like, yeah. it was a nice, colorful, sturdy-looking bag. Yeah, it was like a sturdy handbag that, like, you could definitely carry things like in. Like a briefcase for ladies, because as we all know, ladies aren't allowed to carry briefcases. As we know, the ladies have delicate fingers, and right. they cannot carry the briefcase because it will hurt the fingers. And Brown never compliments a lady. <laughs> Actually, that part is true. Brown never compliments anyone. That's Brown fair. things should be banned. <laughs> um, the thing that this episode does really, really well is it takes this, like, really obvious well-worn trope of like current girlfriend or wife or whatever meets the ex-girlfriend and Mm -hmm. they have a cat fight and that does ultimately happen in this episode but it's not because of what you think right because will and grace does what we have always on this podcast said will and grace does best Mm -hmm. is when it queers the plot line yes and here it does it excellently because grace instinctively likes Mira Servino. Yes, she, she and loves Diane, Diane. They get along. She doesn't really care that Leo isn't was with her before. Like yeah. she's like honestly like he's traded down. You're amazing. Right. And there's I mean there's a kind of mutual sort of situation happening where Mira Servino is kind of like 
surprised but like happily that Grace is nice and she's good looking and right. then there's even an offhand comment about how she has to go to the bathroom and fix her face because she had kind of been expecting Grace to be ugly and right. was surprised that she wasn't. And like it kind of seems like it's setting it up for them to like secretly hate each other the whole dinner. But like it's actually better that Mira Sorino's character Diane turns out to be like the unseen embodiment of all of Grace's pent up rage that Will slept with a woman that wasn't her. Yes. Because she's literally that woman. Right. And so, as it appears, Mira Sorvino reemerges in the bathroom and Will is doing something and turns and they face each other and he goes, Diane? And she goes, Will? And then it all kind of goes to hell. Yeah. Like, this episode falls apart in such a beautiful way. We were talking during the episode and we're kind of saying it's like the episode dinner party from The Office. Yes. We're like, it's so painful and so terrible. And yet... It is one of the best episodes of the series, and bar it's, none. it's, like, so elegantly constructed. Yes. And it's beautiful because you're watching it like a car wreck and you can't look away. It's like a Fabergé egg of terror and pain. Yes. So we watch. There was a moment that Grace says to Leo, what, did you expect me to clutch my chest and gasp when mm-hmm. she walked in? And then upon learning, Will and Diane had slept together. She literally does that. She right. literally clutches her chest and gasps because, as you said, it is the embodiment of all mm-hmm. of her anxiety and fear and insecurity about having never slept with yes. Will in her living room. Well, and this episode, unlike so many episodes where Leo is actually a character, really gets that for Grace... Leo is, like, the secondary important relationship in her life. Mm-hmm. Will is the important relationship. She's yes. devastated to find out that Diane is Will's fellow... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, the other woman. Yeah, basic. She's the... She got the one thing from Will that Grace never got. Right. Basically. And which is his pain. Like, for her and Leo, like, that that means nothing. You know? Right. Leo slept with a lot of other people. Grace Frankly, slept with a lot of other people. a week ago, Grace thought he was about to sleep with his co-worker. Right. So, like, for Grace, the idea that Leo has been with and slept with other people doesn't really phase her. Mm-hmm. But because this is the one. Right. The one woman who got from Will what she never got. Mm-hmm. It, it's, like, this, like, m- like monument to her like sort of pent up frustrated rage yes. about this unresolved tension in their in their relationship. And I think we can speak to that a little bit. I mean, I thank God after watching this episode, <laughs> thank God I never slept with any vagina having person. Yes, that would I mean including I, the girlfriend that I had immediately after breaking up with you. Yeah. I mean and like genuinely it's like a weird thing to be like the the person who you were with before you came out. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, definitely, like, because we have a really strong emotional relationship, Mm -hmm. but there's still, like, this monkey brain part of me that's just like, you didn't give me sex, you can't give sex to any other vagina, or I cry! And to be fair, you do hate my ex-girlfriend almost as much as you hate some of my ex-boyfriends. Okay, to be fair... With much less reasoning. She just was, like, not cute. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, total classic mistake. Yeah, like... I'm sure she's very happy now, but I hear she's married. Somehow, yes. But anyways, that's not the point. Moving on. Like, what I am saying is, like, you as a person who has a similar experience can identify Mm -hmm. with this level of, like, 
irrational, but objectively not that irrational jealousy. Right. Like, I mean, if we were to run into your ex-girlfriend from college, I would not care to speak to her. I would be very upset about her general existence. Also, the one, quote, girlfriend you had before we dated, that girl you went out with in eighth grade and you held hands like twice. And she, Oh, yeah. You're so bitter about that. I hate her. <laughs> I don't like her. Well, and part of the reason I don't like her is because all through high school, she always acted like she somehow knew you better than me. And I'm like, yeah, but like you guys held hand in, in eighth grade and like we like have been together for two years and right. also shut up. <laughs> She's also married. They're very happy. Maybe there's a connection. Like, people who date me and aren't us get married. Maybe. I haven't... Well, I was going to say, I've dated you, but I am not married. All my boy exes aren't married yet. Yeah. Just the girl exes. But one of them was married before you. Does that count? No, that doesn't count. Anyways. So, yeah. But, like, I can completely identify with this, like irrational but like borderline rational Mm -hmm. rage and like being unable to sort of like explain it because like by societal norms this doesn't really make sense Mm -hmm. if you are no longer romantically interested in someone you are supposed to move past the part where you experience jealousy on behalf of that potential romance or sexual relationship well and the other thing i like about the episode is unlike so many will and grace episodes Mm -hmm. it treats this emotion of graces as proportionally valid yes like yes Grace is insane, yeah. but she's not any more insane than the person who meets their romantic sexual partner's ex-girlfriend and is jealous of them. Right, yeah. Like, it ultimately... It's played sp- pretty straight. Right. Ultimately speaking, Will and Grace are technically exes. Yes. And so meeting someone that your ex is slept with, especially if that mm-hmm. ex no longer sleeps with your gender... And especially if you are trapped at a dinner party with them for the next three hours. Which you are hosting. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and the tensions would kind of be high. And so I can completely respect Grace's sort of micro meltdown here. Because yes. if I were trapped in that situation, I would probably feel wildly uncomfortable and extremely unhappy. Well, and the other thing that is really helpful with this episode is just like the dinner party episode, it's really funny. Oh my god, yes. It's like, super funny. if it funny. wasn't funny, this would be unbearable. Yes, but it is hilarious. We have moments where Grace is like straight up not making sense and mm-hmm. everyone is kind of like telling her like, Grace, honey, you're not making sense. And she's just like, oh, who made you the president of sense? Hey, I am not mad at you and here's why I'm mad at you. It's because I'm not mad at you. Yes, and it's like that kind of circular redonkulous argument yes. is a thing I've had in my head. It's a thing I've basically said to you before. We're like, the thing is that I'm not mad at you, but here's why I'm mad at you. And therefore, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's complete nonsense, but within the episode, it's narratively coherent. Yes. And everyone is on board with right. this. Like, Will is like, oh my god, I totally agree. Like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Right. But also, please stop being so mad at me. Right. And Karen and Jack are just, like, munching popcorn and, like, yeah. They're really enjoying jealous. this. And my, one of my favorite bits is that Leo is, like, us in the audience who understands that the situation should be the other way. Yes. That, and is angry. Yes, he wants to claim that jealousy of Grace's. Uh-huh. He wants her to be jealous of Mira Zorvino because of him. Yes. But she's not. She's just not at all. She doesn't give a fuck that they were together yeah. for a year and a half. Well, and so then he starts, like, taunting her with, yes. like, relationship <laughs> facts. He's like, we have a coffee mug with our faces on it. The other thing I love is that Mira Zorvino is not, like, interested in that narrative either and keeps no. undercutting Leo. Yes. Like, she keeps talking about how, like, you know, 
she's never had an orgasm ever with anyone except Will. Right. Which everyone is pretty floored by. Myself included. Yeah. Which, let's just take a moment to pause here before we go into any of the other things. Straight men, step your pussy up. If you are not giving your straight women partners orgasms, you are doing it wrong. It's not hard. Step your pussy up. Hey, Leo got close that one time in the public restroom, except then Ed Koch showed up. <laughs> I believe it's Ed Koch. I don't know how it's pronounced. I know it's not Ed Koch. Damn. I know. Anyways. But yeah, so we have this thing where where Diane is also undercutting her value in mm-hmm. Leo's life. Like, she doesn't give a shit. She's like, no, that mug means nothing. Like, yeah, she's just like... I've I, never been fulfilled ever since Will slept with me. She, like, was like, I was devastated that you never called me, Will. Mm-hmm. Like, and she, like, it's like, and you, you know, you left me alone and you took my roommate's sweater and she blamed me. And, and the turn is so great. Yes. Because earlier in the episode, she kind of, it kind of seems like she's going the other way where, like, she's like... Yeah, like, we slept together, and it's really awkward now, but, like, it didn't really mean anything. Right. She keeps talking about how, like, oh, you know, like, I could tell that you were gay because, like, you wanted to cuddle instead of having sex. And you cried the whole time. But there's this, like, interesting little pivot that happens probably through the episode really suddenly, right before she breaks down and says the thing about the orgasms, where, like, you realize that, like, she knows all of this intellectually. Like, she gets that he's gay. Mm-hmm. She gets that this could never work. She gets that it was a one-night stand. Right. And yet, Here she, she is, is compelled to, like, confess her love to this man who clearly has been, like, her, like, guiding star, even through her relationship with Leo. Right. Which clearly happened after right. this moment. Yes. And so we we see, again, this sort of, like, monkey brain versus, like, intellectual human brain where she's like, I know this makes no goddamn sense, but that man made me come, and so I, I love him. Right. And my whole life has not made sense. I mean, at the end of the episode, Karen gives her the dog, and she names the dog Will. I, yes. Like, girl, you need a therapist, like, 20 years ago. Like, seriously, we kind of watched this very together, rational woman who we saw from the beginning of the episode completely unravel and lose Mm -hmm. her goddamn shit over this one man she slept with, like, 20 years ago in a dorm room on a futon. Who she has clearly been pretending is, like, a meaningless one-night stand. Right, until she's confronted with him, and then she just dissolves. Yes. She becomes a shadow of her former glamorous self Mm -hmm. and cannot deal and, like, I have to think, think about this episode. I feel like Will and Grace never really resolve this fight. Other than that, like, they're grown-ups and they've moved past it. And Grace is just like, ah, this is the worst dinner party. I'm just going to be a basket case the whole time. Whereas, like, Diane, like, genuinely, like, has a complete breakdown. Right. Well, it's sort of an interesting through line that is, like, kind of followed in this episode. So the first time we've heard of Diane was mm-hmm. in Lowe's in the mid-80s. When we yes. have this moment in which Will confesses to Grace that he did sleep with a woman after failing to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gets pissed because right. he had withheld this information. Mm-hmm. But also because, you know, that whole thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you said you didn't want to sleep with my gender. Why did you sleep with someone and it wasn't me? Like, didn't mm-hmm. you trust me? Blah, blah, blah. Emotion intimacy right. and so then we see again we have Diane show up and now this is confronting them again yes but then you know we also saw it in the revival like la- what was it last season or the beginning of this season I think it was part way through this season yeah so there was an episode in which we discovered that Will had written Grace a letter mm-hmm. right after the whole coming out debacle happened and probably very shortly after the Diane thing right because it sounds like as we learned in this episode he slept with Diane like the next day yeah like he kind of like which is admittedly a very straight man move. Right, but also but, kind of like heartbreaking in like mm-hmm. the coming out narrative where he was so freaked out that he tried to go force himself to be straight. Mm-hmm. 
And But then we find out he wrote Grace a letter, and it's this really heartbreaking letter where he talks about how, like, he wishes that he were different, he doesn't want to be gay, he mm-hmm. talks about potentially hurting himself. And so we see, like, this, this like, constant thing that is happening in the undercurrent of the show that we keep touching on, but mm-hmm. it's sort of like a hot plate. We don't want to keep yes. our hand on it for too long because it gets mm-hmm. too painful. And mm-hmm. that's, like, wildly real for a sitcom. Yeah. Especially a sitcom that this episode was written in, what, 2004? Yeah. Like, and this episode isn't, I don't want to say it isn't very serious, but considering how deep that wound is and how well the show minds it. I mean, I don't think there's a single episode we've seen so far in the revival or the current show that hasn't gone back to this initial time period and hasn't been really powerful. Right. And it, it just, it holds very much respect and weight for what happened there mm-hmm. between Will and Grace. And they, it kind of knows that, like, sometimes, yeah, you can laugh it off, but other times you can't. Right. And, like, even this one is not, it doesn't really get serious to the degree of lows in the mid-80s or that revival episode, Mm -hmm. but it still has heft. Because we know from the very minute that Grace is freaking out about this, yes, Grace is being absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is a time period that has real weight and real pain attached to it. Right. I would definitely call this experience for both Will and Grace a sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. Like an emotional trauma. They both kind of had to upheave their very nice non-sexual relationship to address the fact that it was never going to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Well, and for Grace, this is a, in a certain sense, also kind of a recent pain. Yeah. Like it's sort of like how in the revival episode when Will discovers that Grace never read the letter, yeah. he's hurt then in that recent moment. Right. For Grace, she has only within the last couple of years realized that Will slept with someone who wasn't her, and now this is coming up again, and she hasn't really processed it. Right, and there's definitely still, like, you can just kind of tell by the way she behaves, there is a feeling of rejection that she's still mm-hmm. carrying from when this happened in the 80s to the present moment. Yep. That she, no matter what, no matter how close she and Will are, they're never going to have this kind of relationship, mm-hmm. and she has to grapple with that. Yeah. And that is, like, crazy complex for a sitcom, and it handles it so beautifully where we don't ever really feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. we can still laugh along as it's happening but we can kind of like marinate on this real human thing that's happening and the other nice thing is i think that and i don't want to speak too soon for this season because it's only episode two (laughs) but it seems to be setting up that will and grace are in a much better position than they were this time last year yeah because they have this really serious thing happen where this trauma is re-evoked and yet their friendship is never really shaken by it. Right. Like, they're kind of fighting, but it's it's so much more lighthearted. I mean, you think about episode one and two last year. I mean, they're about to have a kid together, and then that completely falls apart, and their relationship is really shook for mm-hmm. another nine or ten episodes. Right. Here, like, this is another big thing, and it's just a thing. Yeah, it's just a thing, and they're both uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But they're able to, you know, kind of laugh along with us and move past it. Yeah. And it's it's sort of nice to be able to see that, like, foundation of their friendship is, like, so solid again. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Me too. It makes me feel happy in my happy part. Yeah. Ooh, that kind of got, like, deep a little bit. Wow. So zen. Oh, like, okay, everyone take a rip off your bong and... I think, yeah, we pretty much covered the episode. I mean, I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head a couple times here, but I mean... Considering how seriously we've talked about this episode, it is genuinely one of the most funny Will and Grace episodes I've seen. It is so funny, but it's like one of those, it's like, it's like layered. It's like a very dense episode. Like This I'm, is an episode I'd love to see again, just casually in a bar somewhere or right, on the like, table. You want to watch it again to see mm-hmm. what little things you missed. Yeah. Because it is genuinely so hilarious. I mean, like we said, like 
you know, everyone plays their role. Like, Karen and Jack are not super plot relevant this episode, Mm -hmm. but everything they do is fucking hilarious. Yes. From taking Chompers on a little tiny walk across the living room to putting her in the Fendi bag and then she pees. Mm-hmm. And then there's another moment where Jack is just, like, acting like he's on a talk show and just keeps being like, and we'll be back in a moment with bisexual Leo and, like, <laughs> other weird non-sequiturs. Right. And it's just, it's, and Karen, Karen is hitting on Diane the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we find out, like, oh, Diane casually has a drinking problem and talks about how she has to drink herself to sleep and how she normally has to get blackout drunk and have right. sex. And then Karen just, like, pours her some more <laughs> wine. And I'm like, ooh, that's a little rape culture, but also, like, hilariously weird. Like, right. the whole thing is just, like, layers on layers on layers of jokes and funniness and weirdness and God bless America. Yeah. This what is a episode. great episode. This is a really great episode. Yeah. And... I hope it bodes well for the rest of the season. I I hope so, too. Yeah, I think that's all. That's all. That's all, folks. All right, Matthew, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Absolutely. Uh, if you want to interact with us on the interwebs, the best place to start is on our Twitter page at NotACoupleShow. Um, you can also send us an email. We can be found at NotACoupledPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, on Tumblr, and various other sundry places across the <laughs> internet. Uh, and if you want to listen to this podcast, you are probably listening to it on either iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify. We're new on Spotify. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, folks, and for being here for this tightly packed, wonderful, funny episode. (laughs) Um, we hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed having it with you, and we'll see you next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Purr, meow. Hi, Eliza. You're so soft and beautiful. This week's episode was sponsored by Awkward Dinner Parties. You ever want to bring up some really awkward shit? Do it at a dinner party. Salt those tomatoes like you salt on your friends.
episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hi, Eliza. You're so soft and beautiful. This week's episode was sponsored by Awkward Dinner Parties. You ever want to bring up some really awkward shit? Do it at a dinner party. Salt those tomatoes like you salt on your friends. <laughs> We're oh. let go. We're Please don't.